Hello and welcome to Pastor Rick's Daily Hope, the audio broadcast ministry of Pastor Rick Warren. Your mind is the greatest gift God has given you. That's why today we continue with a series called Rethinking Your Life. In these lessons, Rick shares nine biblical pillars we need to reshape our minds so that we can become more like Jesus Christ. Right now, here's Pastor Rick Warren with a message called Recovering from Traumatic Experiences. I want us to look at the subject of recovering from traumatic experiences. Recovering from traumatic experiences. We're in this series called uh, Rethinking Your Life. And we're rethinking different areas of our life. And one of the areas that we're going to have to rethink to be all that God wants us to be is rethinking how we handle traumatic experiences in life. Now, let me start by just giving you a definition of trauma. I wrote it down. Trauma is an experience of feeling either overwhelmed or um, helpless or paralyzed. Overwhelmed, helpless, paralyzed, maybe frightened by a deeply distressing event. That's what trauma is, being overwhelmed or paralyzed or frightened or just feeling helpless by some kind of uh, deeply traumatizing event in your life. Now, trauma can come from a lot of different places. Uh, it can come from abuse. It can come from abandonment. Uh, it can come from uh, you know, mistreatment. It can come from betrayal. It can come from rejection. It can come from abandonment. Obviously, the death of a loved one can be very traumatic. Divorce can be traumatic. Um, a deeply distressing event in your life, a violent accident, uh, being a victim of a crime uh, can be uh, like a scam. You, you've been scammed. You were swindled. Uh, that can be, can be traumatizing. Uh, but the kind of trauma that I want us to focus on this weekend is the kind that has occurred when an evil person traumatizes you with their evil, either in abuse or in some way uh, you have been traumatized by the actions of another person. I'm not talking about hurricanes. I'm not talking about you know, a bankruptcy. I'm talking about when you've been traumatized by the actions of somebody else who was very hurtful, maybe violent toward you. Now, at some point in your life, you're gonna have the most tra traumatizing event. Mine was six years ago when my youngest son took his life after struggling with mental illness for his entire life. Nothing I can imagine would be more traumatic than losing my son who took his own life. But every day in the world, there are evil people doing evil things to innocent people. And that's what I want us to talk about uh, this weekend. Every day there's injustice. Every day there's bigotry, there's bias. There is um, prejudice, uh, there's unfairness, things like that. And as I said, at some point you're gonna face uh, trauma in your life. So uh, what does God say about it? What does God say about evil and what does God say about trauma? Now when we talk about this, the first thing that people always ask is, okay, this is a good question. If God is truly good, if God is truly loving, if God is so loving and good and gracious, why didn't he just get rid of evil? Why didn't he just wipe it out? Why does he let bad things happen to good people? Why didn't he just wipe out all kinds of, of evil? What's a good question? It's a legitimate question. First, you have to define evil. What is evil? 
because we always think evil is something out there. Um, evil is anything that opposes God, rebels against God, uh, disobeys God, uh, rejects God, or ignores God. Now, if that's what evil is, uh, the opposite of what God is, God is good and evil is, is the opposite of God, then I have made evil choices in my life, and so have you. So have you. You have not always done what God said to do. You have not always done what's best for other people. You have made evil choices, and I have made evil choices too. Uh, the Bible says no one gets off clean on this one. And so, really the answer of why does God allow evil in the world, why didn't he just wipe out evil uh, right now? The, the answer actually has two parts. The first is, in fact, God is gonna wipe out evil one day. At the end of history, he's gonna send all evil to hell. The Bible says hell was created for evil. Hell was created for the devil and his angels. And God is going to banish it all and there'll be an eternal punishment in hell. God is gonna end evil one day. You say, well, why doesn't he do it right now? Well, he could. In fact, God could eliminate evil instantly by doing one simple thing. Take away our freedom to choose. Because where does evil come from? Our bad choices. See, I need, if God took away my freedom to choose, your freedom to choose, then uh, there wouldn't be any evil in the world. Everything would always be good, but you would have no choice about it. You would always do the right thing. You would never do anything wrong. You'd never do anything selfish. You'd never do anything unkind. You'd never do anything hurtful. It'd be real simple. God takes away your freedom of choice, and there would be no evil. I need to give you a little backstory uh, on why you exist. The first thing is, the Bible says God is love, that God is a God of love, and you were created to be loved by God. That's why you exist. God made you to love you. God wanted a family. God wanted children. That's the first thing you need to know. The whole reason you exist is because God made you to love you. And if he hadn't wanted to love you, you would not exist. God made you to love you. God wanted children to love. Second thing you need to know is he wants you to love him back. Nothing wrong. Every parent understands that. Every parent wants their kids to love them back. God wants you to love him back. But here's the, here's the issue. Love cannot be coerced. It can't be forced. You can't make people love you. Anybody who's been through a divorce knows that. You couldn't make somebody fall in love with you. You can't make somebody stay in love with you. Love cannot be forced. It has to be voluntary. It has to be willing. It has to be a choice. If there's no choice, there's no love. That makes sense? Okay, so I can't love God unless I have the freedom to not love him. Does that make sense? It's not real love. If I'm forced to love him, then I'm just a puppet. I'm a marionette on strings, and it's not real love. So God gave you the freedom to choose. That's your greatest blessing and it's your greatest curse. And all of the evil that exists in the world is because we were given the freedom to choose and we don't always choose to do what's right. In fact, people that choose to do wrong all the time, I do, you do, and everybody else does. Hitler did and everybody else. God could easily get rid of evil, just take away our freedom to choose. It is the alternative or the, uh, the alternative that allows you to willingly love him. And God says, okay, I'm gonna give you the freedom to choose. Uh, 
and you can either accept me or reject me. You can obey me or you can disobey me. Uh, You can love me or not love me. You can trust me or you can distrust me. You can doubt me. That's all, God gives you that freedom. You're free to make any choice you want. You're not free from the, the consequences of it, but you are free to make your choice. And so God could have just taken away all of our freedom and then we wouldn't have any, um, have any evil in the world. The Bible says every human being has made wrong choices and that's called sin. I've made wrong choices, you have too. There have been times I say, I know what God wants me to do, but I'm gonna do what I think's best because I think I know better than God. I think this will give me more pleasure. I think this will make me more happy. I think this is what I want. It's not what other people want. It's not what God wants. It's what I want. And that's called sin. Now, here's what the Bible says. Look at the verse, Romans 5, 12. Sin came into the world because of what one man did. That's Adam. And with sin came death. Did you know that before Adam sinned, there was no death? Adam could have just lived for eternity on earth in the Garden of Eden, could have lived for eternity in paradise. But the moment sin and evil entered the world, God goes, I don't want you living on a planet where there's sin and evil for eternity. And so death entered the world. I'm glad I don't have to live on this planet for eternity. I want to live forever. I just don't want to live where there's suffering and sorrow and sadness and sickness and disease and death and depression and racism and all the other problems in the world. I just don't want to live there for eternity. I want to live for eternity. I just want to live in a perfect place. And once earth was broken by sin and death, God says, well, you're not going to live here forever. Now it says, notice that verse, it says, sin came into the world because of what one man did. He chose between the knowledge of good and evil and he chose evil. And with sin came death. By the way, not just death came with that, Sin created a lot of other problems too. Let me read you a list. I made this list this, uh, t- yesterday. None of, us, none of the things on this list were in the Garden of Eden, in paradise. Decay, damage, debauchery, debt, disabilities, deceit, defeat, defiance, defilement, dehumanization. None of these were in the Garden of Eden. Delusions, dementia, depravity, Deprivation, deviance, dictators, disunity, deportation, despotism, disloyalty, disgrace, depression. Destruction, devastation, desertion, distress, disease, divorce, dysfunction. None of these were in in paradise. Distrust, disputes, destitution, disease, disasters, desperation, and despair. That's what sin brought into the world. So you wanna know why there's suffering in the world? There's suffering in the world because of sin and evil. And why is there sin and evil in the world? Because God gave us the choice. And none of us have chosen correctly all the time. Now, let me give you a couple other things the Bible says about it. Number two, everything on earth, this leads to the second one, everything on earth is broken by sin and by evil. Everything on earth is broken by sin and by evil. Nothing on this planet works correctly all the time. The only thing perfect on planet Earth is God's word. But our relationships are broken, the weather is broken, the economy is broken, your body is broken. It does, have you noticed your body doesn't always work correctly? Have you noticed your relationships don't always work correctly? 
The economy doesn't always work correctly. Nothing works correctly because we live now on a planet broken by evil and by sin. Now, Jesus warned, in the world, you will have tribulation. He said, count on it, because we're on a broken planet. This is not heaven. We want earth to be heaven. Heaven, everything is perfect. It works perfectly. God's will is done completely, instantly, continuously, quickly, all the time. None of that's true on earth. God's will is done seldom, incompletely, incorrectly, and often just ignored. That's why James says, in the book of James, he says, don't be surprised when you have trials on the earth. You don't need any surprise. This is not heaven. That's the place that's perfect. Things don't work here. Nothing works perfectly here. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 12, there will be more and more evil in the world so most people will stop showing their love for each other. He said it's gonna increase over time. Number three, this is an interesting point. God grieves when he sees us hurting. Sin and evil cause pain, cause suffering, cause hurt. And you say, well, what does God think about all this when he sees people hurting from all these things I just read, abuse and assault and abandonment and all those other, what it, God grieves when he sees his children hurting. It may surprise you to know that God has emotions. God has emotions. But why, does God, why do you have emotions? The only reason you have emotions is you were made in God's image. The Bible says God gets angry. The Bible says God grieves. The Bible says God laughs. The Bible says God is sorrowful, he's sad. God has emotion. God is an emotional God. He feels things. When he sees us hurting each other, when he sees man's inhumanity to humanity, it bothers him. It grieves him. In Genesis chapter six, it says, in Noah's day, the Lord was deeply grieved that he had made man and his heart was filled with pain. His heart was filled with pain. You know, the shortest verse in the Bible is this next one, John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. It's the shortest verse in the Bible, but it's filled with importance. Why? Because it shows that God grieves. Jesus wept. God, when God sees you in pain, he grieves too, all right? And so, like a parent watching a child in pain, look at this verse. The Bible says in Isaiah 63, verse nine, in all their suffering, he, that's God, suffered too. In all their suffering, he suffered too. I want you to write this down on your outline. God suffers with me. That's one of the most important things I want you to learn today is that God suffers with me. When I suffer, God suffers. We don't have an apathetic God who's an apathetic to pain. When he sees me suffering, he suffers with me. When he sees you suffering, he suffers with you. Of course, the greatest example of this was when Jesus came to earth, he suffered evil with us. The greatest evil ever done was done to Jesus Christ on the cross. Where someone who was perfect the only perfect person to ever live because he was God, the son of God. He was innocent, he's tortured, he's abused, he's humiliated, he's murdered. That was evil. That was evil before Easter. God suffers with me. Look at this next verse, Psalm 55, verse eight. You, Lord, keep a record of all my sorrows. 
You collected all my tears in your bottle and you list each one in your book. Is that one of the most amazing verses? Let me read it again. You, Lord, keep a record of all my sorrows and you collected all my tears in your bottle and you list each one in your book. Not only has God seen every tear that's fallen from your face, he's counted them. That's how much God cares about you. That's how much God loves you. That's how compassionate, that's how much God feels your pain. He's not just seen every tear you've cried. He's counted them. He's recorded them in a book. I want you to write this on your outline. God pays attention to the details of my pain. Some of you are in tremendous pain right now and you think God doesn't even care. God doesn't even know. Oh, he knows. More than he knows, he's keeping a record. And more than keeping a record, it pains him. God suffers with us. We serve a suffering God. A lady once asked me, where was my God? Where was God when my son died? I said he was the same place he was when his son died. He was weeping. He was grieving at what men, what humanity was doing to his son, Jesus Christ on the cross. He was grieving. He was weeping. God says, I suffer with you. I grieve with you. I pay attention to the details of your pain. Number four, the fourth thing we know about evil and trauma is that one day God will judge everyone justly. God will judge everyone justly one day. God is a God of justice and evil will not get away with evil forever. There is a day of reckoning coming. There is a judgment day. God is not just loving. He is lovingly just. God is both. God cares about justice. God cares about justice more than you do. You say, I want justice for what was done to me. Believe me, there will be a day of justice. There will be a day of reckoning. There will be a day of judgment. The Bible said it is an awesome and fearful thing to hand, fall into the hands of God in the day of justice, because God's not just a God of love, he is a God of justice, and what is wrong must be righted. Hebrews eleven twenty seven. look up here on the screen. God has appointed that every person will die, and after that, they face the judgment. God has appointed, that is one appointment you're not gonna be late for. That is one appointment you can't cancel. That is one appointment you're not gonna miss. That appointment has already been set in history when you're gonna die, and it says after that, you're gonna face the judgment. Now, a lot of people think they're getting away with secret sin, but let me show you another verse. Look at this, Hebrews 4.13. People think, well, nobody knows what I'm doing. Well, God does. Hebrews 4.13 says, nothing can be hidden from God. Everything in all creation is exposed to his eyes, and each of us will give an account of our lives to him. That's the justice part of God. It's why we need salvation, it's why we need a savior. Because without that, all we've got is justice and judgment. Nothing can be hidden from God's eyes. God sees it all. I think I'm getting away with something because maybe nobody knows about it. The most important person in the world, in the universe knows, God knows. And so what am I saying? God says this about evil and trauma. 
Evil is the downside of our free choice. It's the downside of our free choice. Number two, everything on earth is broken by sin and evil. Number three, God grieves when he sees evil and sin hurt us. Number four, God's gonna judge everyone justly one day. But there's one more, and this is good news. Number five, God can bring good out of bad if we trust him. And then only God can do that. Anybody can bring good out of good. That's no big deal. You can do that, I can do that, bring good out of good. God specializes in bringing good out of bad. God specializes in turning crucifixions into resurrections. And the worst thing that happened, the worst evil in history, God used to save the world. He can bring good out of bad if we trust him. We looked at this verse last week, Romans 8, 28. We know that in all things, that's even the bad stuff, God works for the good of those who love him, for those who have been called according to his purpose. If we're living for God's purpose, God is saying, I will use even the bad stuff, even the trauma, even the parts that you're most embarrassed or ashamed or wish had never happened. He says, I can even use that too. I'm a God who knows how to bring good, even out of bad. If you'll give me the pieces, I will give you peace. Now, this time I want us to talk about resilience. How do you bounce back from trauma? We're in a series that I've been teaching on pain and, and on trauma. The first principle in recovering from a trauma is you need to accept help and support from others. Accept help and support from others. It's almost impossible to recover from trauma by yourself. We, we're wired to need each other. We need each other to recover. You're not gonna get well on your own. First, you need somebody who's gone through what, what you're going through. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter one, God comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others. Then when others are troubled, we can give them the same comfort that God has given us. Now what that verse implies is this, there are people out there who've already been through what you're going through. There are people out there who've already been through what you're going through. You need to seek them out, you need to get their help, uh, you need to enlist their wisdom and support. This is called following Jesus. Galatians 6.2, by helping each other's troubles and burdens, you're obeying the law of Christ. What is that? That's the law, love your neighbor as yourself. The second key to recovery is to focus on what's true not what you feel. Focus on what's true, not what you feel. When you're traumatized, um, two things can happen to your emotions. First, your emotions can get disconnected, and second, your emotions can get distorted. Either one of these things can happen. When you've gone through a real trauma of any kind, first, when, when emotional pain is unbearable, we disconnect from our emotions and you actually stop feeling anything, you, you're numb. You're, you're kind of dead inside, you're so painful it shuts down, you don't feel anything. You kind of insulate and you isolate, and, and when you've gone through trauma, one of the problems is you don't feel anything anymore for a while. Uh, a number of people, they disconnect, and uh, you, you kind of stuff it in a box, and it has to gently be reawakened. But also, when you go through trauma, often our, our emotions get distorted and we start believing lies or we believe things that are true that aren't 
aren't really true. But let me read you this first, 2 Corinthians chapter one. Paul, of course, went through many, many traumas in life, shipwrecks and beatings and stonings and all kinds of things. 2 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9, Paul says, we were crushed and completely overwhelmed, that's called trauma, and we thought, notice he says, we thought we'd never live through it. We expected to die. That's what you're feeling in trauma. But as a result, he said, we learn not to trust in our own feelings and ourselves, but to trust in God. Paul says we thought we were gonna die. His feelings were wrong. He didn't die. Now, sometimes victims actually in, in trauma end up blaming themselves. And they start saying things like, well, it was my fault, or I deserve this, or I'm a bad person and that's why this happened to me, or I'm no good, or there's something really, really wrong with me. Those are all lies. They're not the truth, they're lies. But when you're in trauma, sometimes the victim actually starts blaming themselves. The antidote is what Jesus said in John 8, 32, the truth sets you free. And so you need, you need to listen to the truth, not your feelings. You need God's view of you. And you may, when you've gone through trauma, need to change the way you talk to yourself. I want you to write this down. I want you to write these three things down. The trauma is not my fault. We're talking about the kind of trauma that is perpetrated against you by someone evil. The trauma is not my fault. The trauma, number two, the trauma is not my identity. And number three, the trauma is not my future. All right, let's go to the third uh, 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 key to recovery, and it is this. Waste no energy on revenge, learn to forgive. Waste no energy on revenge, learn to forgive. Trauma depletes your energy. Any kind of trauma just drains you of your energy. You're gonna need energy to recover, to rebound, to have resilience. You can't afford to waste your energy on anything else so that for your own sake, you need to not focus on the revenge because you're gonna need that energy to recover yourself. Uh, if you waste your energy on resentment or, or retaliation or revenge, then you don't have that energy for yourself. You gotta decide, do I wanna be bitter or do I wanna be better? Where, where am I gonna put the energy? Anytime you hold on to hurt, you actually are allowing that person to continue to hurt you even though it's already happened. When you hold on to hurt, you just keep on letting them hurt you over and over and over. Now I know what some of you say to me, you say, well what about justice? Well justice is important. And the Bible says that's the role of God and government. It's not your role. It's not my role to be a vigilante. It's not my role to go out there and seek revenge and retaliation. The Bible says it's God's role to administer justice, and he has ordained government to administer justice. If you want to read that, it's Romans 13, whole chapter of the Bible about God telling governments are to enforce the laws. Let me read you two verses. Romans 12, 19, God says, don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, and I'll take care of it. Now there's a big difference between justice and, and personal retaliation. But he's saying, God says, judging and justice are my job and I've ordained the government to do it. Look at the next verse, Proverbs 16, 12. Good leaders do not tolerate evil because justice is what makes a government strong. So you say, well, okay, so what do I do with all my negative emotions, all my pent up anger? 
If I'm not gonna try to seek revenge myself, what do I do with that, those pent up emotions? Next verse. Lamentations chapter two, verse 19 says this. Get up and pray for help all through the night. It's usually at night that those emotions come in strongest. Get up and pray for help all through the night. Pour out your feelings to the Lord as you would pour out a water out of a jug. What a beautiful verse. Pour out, pour out all your frustrations. God can handle that. Pour out your, your anger, your bitterness. You could tell God that. God can handle that. And you pour it out to him. Now, you notice I said learn to forgive because forgiveness has to be learned. It, forgiveness is not natural. Forgiveness is not easy. Forgiveness is not fast. And when you're traumatized, it makes it even harder. And sometimes well-meaning people have actually hurt victims of trauma by pushing them to forgive faster than, than they really should. They have to work through the stages of grief. All right, let's go to the fourth principle of recovery. And this has to do with hope. You've got to have hope. Hope and trust God for the strength to recover. Hope and trust God for the strength to recover. You can't move forward without hope. You can't move forward without faith. You have to have faith in God, faith in yourself. You have to have faith in others. You have to have faith that you can move, that you're not paralyzed, that you're not helpless, you're not hopeless. You need hope and you need faith. Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, the plans I have for you are plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God has plans, God's plans have hope and have a future. God is a God of recovery, he is a God of restoration. I, this week I went through the whole Bible and I found 32 times where God says, I will restore you. 32 times. God is a God of restoration. And there's story after story after story of a nation falling, particularly Israel, and then God restoring, and a nation falling, and God restoring, God falling. If you've had any trauma, particularly the kind we're talking about today where perpetrated by an individual, by evil against you, uh, I recommend this next verse for you. Job 11, 13 to 19 gives a lot of good advice. It says this. Give your whole heart to God and hold out your hands for him to help you. Then you will lift your face without shame. God doesn't want you living in shame. You will lift your face without shame. You will stand firm without fear. God doesn't want you living in fear. Then all your troubles will fade from your memory like water under a bridge. Your life will be brighter than the sunshine at noon and life's darkest hour will shine like the dawn. You will live secure and full of hope. God will protect you and give you rest. And you won't be afraid of your enemies. In fact, many people will ask you for help. This is Pastor Rick's Daily Hope. We are so happy you've chosen to study along with us today. If you want to live a life full of purpose and joy, then you need to transform the way you think. And to help you do this, Pastor Rick created a brand new set of scripture cards with 52 hand-selected verses from his series, Rethinking Your Life. These verses will guide you into a deeper understanding of your purpose and faith 
and you'll find yourself gaining the strength to overcome temptation and conquer discouragement. When you allow God's Word to transform your mind, you'll see your life through His eyes, apply His wisdom, and step into a life of purpose and joy. This set of beautifully designed cards will help you memorize Scripture so you can recall God's Word when you need it the most. You can also use them to minister to others, give one to a friend, and write a personalized note of encouragement on the back. If a Scripture really speaks to you, frame it. Put them in places where you can read them during the day for encouragement. And today, when you give a gift to help Daily Hope take the hope of Jesus to a world in need, we'll send you the Rethinking Your Life Scripture Card Set to say thanks. Go to PastorRick.com right now to get your copy. That's PastorRick.com. Or you can text the word HOPE to 800-600-5004. That's the word HOPE to 800-600-5004. Thanks so much for your support. Today is the last day to get this great resource, so don't wait. Be sure to join us next time as we look into God's Word for our daily hope. This program is sponsored by Pastor Rick's Daily Hope and your generous financial support.